And I was just so mad. And I went, ran to the other wall and I hit my head against the wall. And I was waiting for that guy to come in. And I just remembered the name of Jesus. And I, I fell to my knees and I just... I said, oh God, I said, why am I so angry? Why am I so mad? I said, okay, God, your will and your way, forgive me. Help me to forgive all these people. Help me. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Meeting people and telling stories, that's what I like to do best on this Mid-South Viewpoint program. Telling often God-sized stories of how He's impacting and changing lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today's no exception. We welcome Emmett McKenzie. Emmett, welcome to Bot Radio Network. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. Now, you've been in our studios before, not on this program, but I want to welcome you to this show. You're a seminary student at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. You've been attending for how long now? Um, I'm on my third year of my bachelor's in Christian studies. And how are things going? Going well. I made the dean's list last semester, so it may be the only time I make it, but I made it. <laughs> Congratulations. Something else big in your life, you recently got engaged. Yes, And exactly. your fiance Belen, is with you now, Belen, and your last name, Belen, again? My last name is Bermudez. Bermudez. Yes, sir. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's definitely a privilege. All glory and honor goes to the Lord. Yes. How did you two meet? We actually met at my church, um, my previous church, East Hill Baptist, and the Lord brought us together last year. Well, that is great. And I've been following you guys on social media. I saw the proposal. You did good, big guy. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's all official now. You're making plans to tie the knot and journey together in the life that God has brought you together to serve him and glorify him through your home and life. Is there a date set? There is. We're actually getting married the first Friday, November 4th of this year. Oh, wow. So, I mean, we're just around the corner. Yes, yes. sir. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you got the jitters? I hope not. No. <laughs> it, it always had the jitters whenever it's the Lord's will, and I'm just kind of like hesitant, you know, but I got to step out in faith and follow through. You know, sometimes the butterflies are a good thing, right? Yes. Mm. We need a little bit of that because it makes us trust and depend more on the Lord. Yes, sir. You know, I've enjoyed, and we haven't had a lot of time, uh, Emmett, to hang out together, mm -hmm. but I invited you to my church yes. when soon after you, I guess, came. Mm -hmm. We had some fellowship. We've had some lunch together, yes. and it's been a neat to see what God has been up to in your life. And I really haven't known the complete story mm -hmm. about all the things that God has brought you through. And recently, your story has been published in a book, and it's being released Today's Wednesday as the show airs, and tomorrow, the yes. 27th Thursday, your book entitled Life, It's Not Supposed to Be Like This, is launching on Amazon. Yes, sir. Your book opens in a setting of dysfunction, poverty, teenage parents, mm -hmm. an alcoholic mother, abuse. Emmett, according to recent statistics, 70 to 80 percent of Americans consider their families dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. I quote you now from your book, the scariest forms of violence are rooted in humanity. The pains that humans can inflict from one person to another has the ability to stop you far short of seeing your destiny become your present. Explain your frustration being trapped in a cycle of life like you were growing up. The frustration that I have um, or had was um, the, the, the fact that... Um, God never intended for us to live the way we live today, and I couldn't understand that. I didn't understand that because I, I was born to God's Word. I wasn't a born-again Christian. 
Many people deal with life not knowing that in the creation story, life ain't supposed to be like this. God never created life to be the way it is today. And if I would have had that understanding and somebody explained that to me, the reason why we deal with one sin to another person, when my sin and my sin affects other people and their sin affects other people, then I, I kind of would have came to an understanding of why we live in the world we live in today. And that's that's my whole purpose is to share the gospel and let them know that life ain't supposed to be like this. It's not. God in Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. And after everything he created, he said it was good. But unfortunately, because of the fall of Adam and Eve and the sin that happened in the garden, there was a separation between humanity and God. You say that Grandma Joanne was a source of light and love. What do you remember most about Grandma Joanne? Um, I was the firstborn um, grandchild, so I was the favorite. I remember <laughs> that. Um, she spoiled me. Um, and the the most significant thing that I, that I remember is her taking me to church. Um, the very first time, she's the one that planted the first gospel seed. The very first time I sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. She passed away um, when I was seven or eight years old. You know, I was dealing with the loss of, 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 at death, and I didn't know how to cope with that. But the only thing that I can remember about her was Jesus loves me. I, I knew she was a born-again Christian. So that really was some of the most stability you had in your life, mm-hmm. having a, a teenage mom, as I mentioned. You were living with, I think, your mom's family at, at, at one point. And, I mean, you've moved around a mm-hmm. lot. You bounced around a whole lot in yes. this dysfunction, again, as I mentioned, the poverty alcoholism, Mm -hmm. uh, abuse. I mean, there's a lot here. How many siblings do you have, and where are the ages? I have an older sister. She lives in Oklahoma City. I have a younger brother, and then I have a younger sister. There's an account in the book that you talk about playing close to a stove. Yes. It didn't turn out so well for you. No. No. um, My mom was studying for her GED, trying to do what she needed to do to help provide and get her education and she had her back turns towards us and there was boiling hot potatoes on the stove and we were kids we didn't know anything and you know my mom had her back turns towards us and we opened the oven door and we're playing like takeout drive through you know we're trying to order like mcdonald's yeah. like yeah what do you want you know we're all bouncing on the oven door and the oven the oven flips over on us and i pushed my brother and sister out and i, I caught the hot boiling potatoes um, on my back and i stayed in the hospital for a couple for a few months i mean we're talking third degree burns yes mm-hmm. your mom wasn't able to visit you right on a regular basis right your dad a, a couple of times but basically it was you and the and the nurses mm-hmm. taking care of you at this hospital yes how old were you at that time I believe I was around five. Five years old? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Did you ever think, even at a young age, Emmett, did you ever think that there had to be a better life? You're only five, six years old. I mean, you're kind of forced in the environment that you're growing up in because of your family life. All of us are, ultimately. But did you ever think, can life be any better or, or worse? Or, you know, what did you ever think anything like that? Um, amongst the darkness of, of growing up, um, me seeing all the all the violence and, and um, all the fights of, of alcoholism around my grandma's house. Um, when I was around my grandma, she had this peace about her and around her. Um, and I knew there was something better. I knew that I can there was pure joy and pure happiness because being around my grandmother, whereas I was with my mom and dad and, and my aunts and uncles, there was so much violence and darkness there mm-hmm. and i knew there had to be something better that this wasn't it this wasn't it there had to be something better because my grandma portrayed that through the holy spirit um in her life that you know she was the light of the world can, can we also stop a second we we haven't mentioned your 
Native American heritage. Mm-hmm. Can we talk just a second there? Because uh, I had an opportunity <clears throat> back many years ago uh, as, as a new believer going on a, a mission trip to the Navajo Indian Reservation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned is about the high alcoholism among Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something common? You saw a lot of that? Yes, there's there's a lot of that. Um, it's, it's mainly a depression it's mainly um, um, a, lot, a lot of issues that my upbringing and my ra- the, the raising. I mean, it's in every culture, it's in every ethnicity. Um, but it, it's something about Native Americans—they're prone to just turn to alcohol, um, and then they can never get out of that. And you kind of just saw this perpetual mm-hmm. revolving door: mm-hmm. family members, friends, those just everywhere around you. Yeah, it's a generational curse, basically. You you also got to a place where you would hide in your home from your parents to avoid the confrontation of their alcoholic rage. Yes, yes, um, and and the fights that would happen between my mom's boyfriend and her boyfriend. Finally, your parents separated. Mm-hmm. After, your dad started a new life, mm-hmm. and and your mom had a boyfriend come in. Mm-hmm. And during those times, I mean, he my my dad was chased by a big a big knife like a, a military knife they they had those ones that screw off on the end and they had the wire that cut, that was hidden inside you know and, and try to you know you can, yeah. it was it was metal and it was a huge knife and then you know i seen him getting chased but then i also seen them remember them at the house banging on the doors and and you know just um let me in you know and the other one's trying to let me out um you know and i the only place that i can you know just in, in just shaking in fear you know a child just trembling i, I went and hid in the closet um you know with my brother and sister um mm-hmm. When did the sexual abuse begin? What was the circumstances that that started? Um, like we said, my dad had already left. He went off to Colorado, and my mom went to visit my, my grandma in Anadarko, and she got pulled over. She was drunk. So she went to jail, and we went to a foster home. So they separated my sister and me and my brother. So me and my brother, little brother went to the same foster home. And it was in, in that foster home um, in Oklahoma that um, there was an older older uh, older boy there and he was about to graduate high school he was a local basketball star you know we went and watched him play ball games he slept in the basement which it was a nice basement it was set up for for a living space we would slide down the slide and you know we, we, we liked going downstairs you know it was fun because they had to slide and there was steps going up and then we'd slide back down you know just it was a place to hang out and have fun you know with the other foster children and i don't know for some reason um i ended up staying a night down there for some reason and you know we slept in the same bed and in the middle of the night that's whenever he sodomized me um I was seven years old. Um, I didn't know anything. I, I didn't know what happened. I, I, I was just, you know, and I never told anybody. And just through the years, it just made me angry because I felt he took my manhood. And, I, and, and as I got older, I, I realized what he did to me was wrong. And I had just shame and I had embarrassment and I had all these emotions and all these thoughts. Um, and it disturbed me. And that really deepened you into depression. Mm-hmm. And as you moved into teen life, you got into gangs. What enticed you most about gang life? Because it was family. Um, yeah, it, it made me feel like uh, I had a family. I f- made it made me feel like I had I had somebody that had my back. Because my mom failed me, my dad failed me, um, my family failed me. Um, you know, but through the years, my mom would send me on a church bus, and the gospel seed was planted through that. But at the same time, I was wrestling with. If God loved me, then why did this happen to me? If God loved me, why would he put me in this family to go through these situations? If God loved me, if God loved me, 
everybody says that Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But God wasn't showing me that in that moment. But then I've come to realize as I got older and as, as I got saved that it wasn't God that did that to me. It was man's sin that did that to me. Tell me about that encounter with Jesus Christ, that when you came to realize that the redeeming power of the gospel that God's great mercy of love was there for you, and he was reaching out, and he wanted Emmett to be his forever child. Um, you know, just through the years, God continued to pursue me. You know, as much as I kept pushing him away, pushing his grace away, pushing his love away, and in my own anger, not understanding that life's not supposed to be like this, I just kept pushing him away until one day I was going to have a shootout with the police. Uh, my life was in shambles, and I was ready to com- try to commit suicide again because I tried to commit suicide two times. You had taken a lot of pills. Yeah, trazodone. And you, and you were in a coma for a couple of days. Yes. Then the doctors came and told me. Uh, one doctor, when I was 18, I overdosed on 3,000 milligrams of trazodone. I was in a coma for three days. Uh, my mom was sitting next to me. And I woke up, you know, and it was, it was like a miracle, you know, because my whole body shut down. I was on a breathing machine. They had a tube down my throat, and that, I was on life support. I did it two years later, and two different doctors at two different hospitals. The first doctor said, God's looking out for you. And the other doctor came in and told me, God's got a plan for your life. You know, and I just shrugged it off. Like, miracles happen, and I just like. Um, he was pursuing you. Yes. I mean, even in the darkest, most painful, most awful environment Christ was pursuing you. Isn't that beautiful, Emmett? And that's what he's doing for everybody listening to the show today. He's pursuing them with that same grace, that same mercy. And like you say, we shrug it off. You know, we run from it because our hearts are so desperately wicked and dark. Um, in, in 2011, um, that's whenever I had this encounter with Christ. Um, I was in a rage of anger. I had been in a rehab for for a week, and they kept telling me that I needed more than two weeks of of rehab and 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 counseling against nineteen years of drugs and alcohol. And I said, "No, I'm, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm, I'm going to do these two weeks, and I'm, I'm, I'll be good." You know. And she kept telling me, the counselor kept telling me, "You know, you need more time. You need more time." And I'm like, "You know, no, I'm not good." But they had chapel in the morning and chapel in the evening. That wasn't required, along with our other classes. It was Brookhaven in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, God kept drawing me there and drawing me there and drawing me there. And, you know, and I was just um, pushing God's grace away, you know. But God kept drawing me there, and I kept hearing the word. I kept hearing the word. I even rededicated my life back to Christ. But I was still unrepentant. I was still wanted to do what I wanted to do. Um, a week into that, a roommate came in, and, you know, he said something stupid to me. He embarrassed me in front of everybody. It was a common area, men and women, and we met in this common area to watch TV and, and do puzzles and things like that. And, um, you know, he made, he made a joke and, you know, disrespected me, basically. And I said, hey, man, meet me in the room, dude. I said, um, I said you don't disrespect me like that, homeboy. So I went to the room, and um, on the way to the room, I was just thinking, what am I even doing here? This is stupid. I'm about to fight this guy. And, and you know, I know I'm going to go back to my own lifestyle. You know, I'm just about to leave, you know. But I went into the room and I was waiting for him to come in there. And I went over here, man, and I punched the wall and I started thinking about my life, my, the history that, that I had. Um, the guy molested me when I was a kid. I remember my dad leaving me. He, he was never there for me whenever I, uh, whenever I need somebody to help me teach me to ride a bike. 
um, never helped me to work on cars, never helped me, never did anything for me in my life. And then my mom being an alcoholic, just the frustration of her boyfriends in and out fights and he, they would beat her black and blue and with bats. And I witnessed all that, man. And I was just so mad. And I went, ran to the other wall and I hit my head against the wall and I was waiting for that guy to come in. And I just remembered the name of Jesus and I, I fell on my knees. I fell on my knees. And I just, I know God, I said, why am I so angry? Why am I so mad? I said, okay, God, your will and your way, forgive me. Help me to forgive all these people. Help me. I cried on my knees and I I went back and I said, okay, God, I'm, I'm done. I surrender. This is it. And I went through every sin that I could ever remember from that day back. I asked God to forgive me for being being mad at that guy, um, for trying to fight him. Just from that point on, I just went back, just every sin, every sexual sin, every every drug interaction, every everything that I ever could remember went all the way back as far as I could remember from whenever my grandma was and, alive. And Emmett, every one of those sins, Jesus bore in his body when he died on the cross and when he yelled out father forgive them for they know not what they do when they were crucifying him and when he breathed his last breath and said it is finished and you know that is what's so beautiful about the gospel and that's what changes our lives only the gospel of jesus christ there's no other way but jesus he is the way the truth and the life amen and the story, again, is where our friends are listening to our interview here with Emmett McKenzie. The book is coming out tomorrow, October 27th. The book, Life is Not Supposed to Be Like This, by Emmett McKenzie. It's a story on Amazon. Okay, now, uh, we've got to bring Belen back into the story yes, yes. because this is, <laughs> this is like the rose in the middle of all the thorns. Amen. Now, Belen, how – have you related to any of Emmett's story? I don't haven't heard your story. Tell me about your journey with Christ growing up in your life. I mean, can you relate to anything that Emmett has shared and has experienced in his life prior to coming to Christ? We have actually came from two different pasts. The only instability that I had in my life was just my biological dad was not in my life. But the Lord brought a godly man in my life at the age of two that took care of me and my mom and was my father and was my dad. And um, I was actually privileged and blessed to have godly parents that grew up in church and that taught me the ways of the Lord and that gave me a biblical godly foundation that I have today. And, you know, I've heard people talk about, you know, I don't have a testimony because I haven't done all these things that God has saved me from. And I think one of the most beautiful testimonies is when a child hears the gospel, is maybe five or six years old sometimes, Mm -hmm. as early as that, understands that I needed Jesus. Jesus died for me, asked Jesus to save them, and just trust Jesus. You know, not that they don't have mistakes, not that pain doesn't inflict our lives, because in this life we do have tribulation and we do have Mm -hmm. trials and things, but knowing that they've journeyed with Christ as a child, wherever you are in life, whether you're you're six or you're 90, Christ is ready and able to save you no matter where you are, what you've been through. That's what's so beautiful about the gospel, too. And so you went to Christian school. You you have a matter of fact, you have a bachelor's degree in biblical studies from Pensacola Christian School. Yes, sir, I do. I got my biblical studies at PCC, but I didn't come to a knowledge of Christ until I was seventeen. At the age of seventeen, I was just tired of my life and tired of not having my biological dad in my 
my life and things didn't work out in my life the way that I thought that it should go. And I was going to leave the Christian faith, leave church, leave everything I was taught because it wasn't my own. I was a religious person. I was a good person, but I didn't have Christ in my life. And at the age of 17, I got down to my knees, and instead of leaving the Christian faith, I actually accepted Christ as my personal Savior and began my journey with Christ. See, that's another great part of what we hear the gospel, because the gospel is not a gospel of do, it's a gospel done, of what Christ has done for us. And some people get caught in a cycle of religion and even in Christendom. Yeah. Yes. And it's not Christ. It's not a transformed mm-hmm. life like you're saying. So they're they're living by the rules of the do's and the don'ts, yeah. trying to check all the boxes, but we can't do that, can we? No, we can't. It's something that Christ does through and in us, through the Holy Spirit and through a relationship with Christ. Yes. That's what's so beautiful about Amen. the transforming power, whether you be in, in an environment like you were or like as Emmett has shared his story, I think each of us can relate that is listening to this today. Well, okay, so I want to go back to when you first met. He came to your church. Did he come to share at your church? He actually came to my church a couple times, and we had some special events. He actually came for the purpose of evangelism at Mm -hmm. my church and to help our church in the area of evangelism and in outreach. And through that, we met, and the Lord brought us together. We actually weren't interested in each other at first. Um, Yeah, he's got a a different (laughs) look on his face. So was there there an equal interest there? Emmett, now tell me that part. Oh, my. So the first time I seen her, I seen her get up and help this elder lady turn off her phone because the phone rang and i went there for the purpose of evangelism and her mom's the one that came and approached me first you know just like hey you know because her their youth were acting up you know and she's pointing her finger like them i said yeah them (laughs) you know so so um so she whenever i try to shake her hand and meet her you know she just kind of you know just like any woman would you know just kind of kind of brush you off you know and i'm like you know i'm used to that and then after that she started becoming rude to me you know um her mom asked me to go on an outreach with them you became rude to him yes sir i was very content in my walk with christ (laughs) (laughs) no sir not that i thought of i needed a godly guy (laughs) you know and i didn't realize that until i heard his testimony I love it. I love so, it. so her mom asked me to come and help them on an outreach. Well, she invited me to their house to help them load and, and pack everything up so we can do the outreach, um, you know, just panning out clothing. She has a ministry here in Memphis. So I get to their house and, you know, I walk in and, and you know, they tell me, go ahead, have a seat, you know. And her mom says, Blin, go get him something to drink out of the refrigerator. Ask him what he wants. And she says, he can get it himself. The refrigerator's right there. <laughs> You know, I mean, I had already just like not even interested in her, not even, um, you know, just had. I mean, I didn't even look at her like that, you know, Um, and I was like, no, absolutely. I don't want to date somebody like that. She had a wall up, you know, but that day after my testimony, me and her dad's talking, you know, we're really talking. And then I kind of look over in the corner of my eye and she's standing next to me and, you know, she's batting her eyes, you know, and start asking me questions. I'm like, what do you want, little girl? You know, like (laughs) now her dad is frowning at her and frowning at me. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I ain't did nothing here you know i'm like what do you want you know i'm like one minute you're mean to me next minute you just want to be all be all interested in me i'm like no that's something's wrong here you know but that's kind of how it started um i'm I'm grateful you know everything that god is doing in our lives has brought us together and the conversations and everything that we've had um and encounters that we had with each other has just been filled with grace after that 
she became interested in me and our first date she calls it a date our first time we went somewhere was at the pyramid right exactly where i proposed her where we first took our picture at the top yes, right you yes had dinner up there and then mm-hmm. you proposed yes he did a good job he did he yeah. did a very well job <laughs> he did. you know that god has brought emmett into your life now Yes, sir, I do. Um, It took a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, a lot of spending time on my knees in prayer and in the Word of God just to make sure that this was His will. All I've ever wanted was to walk in the will of God, and all I've ever wanted was a man of God who loved the Lord with all of his heart, soul, and mind, and who loved souls and people. And I didn't meet that until I met Emmett McKenzie. That is so beautiful. And one of the things I know you guys have shared in common— is going and and sharing your faith with others. Tell me about some of those experiences. Yes, sir. We've gotten to go evangelize together just at Shelby Park's farm, really anywhere that we're at, whether it's at a restaurant in our daily lives, wherever it's at, at the grocery store, at a restaurant. We just take opportunities to to share the gospel, whether it's our waitress, you know, praying for her and talking to her, sharing the gospel with her, giving her a track. The gospel can be presented in an organized fashion on the weekends where we go out evangelizing. But even more so, the gospel is shared in our daily life Amen. with whoever the Lord places in our life. Yes. yes. It's just a natural flow of, of who we are. Yes. yes. Uh, making disciples yes. what we're called to do. And something else I know God's gifted you in is music because you like to sing. Yes, sir. Sometimes you sing solos at church, I believe. Yes, sir. I sing solos. I love to sing for the Lord's honor, for the Lord's glory, and everything that he's done. Yeah. Ministry team here, Emmett, yes. right? Yes. She exceeds everything, all my expectations. So when I left from Oklahoma, I prayed to God that he would reveal to me the person he has for me would continue to pursue me, would continue to pursue me. And I would push back like, no, you know, I asked God to show me and reveal to me. And it was Belen. She, I kept pushing her back. I kept friend zoning her as she would text me. I would say, okay, sister, yes, I'll be praying for you, sister. And, yeah. you know, and she kept pursuing me and pursuing me and pursuing me. <laughs> and then just through every conversation, you know, um, it was God. Life is not supposed to be like this. And that includes the good things we enjoy. That Mm. includes the blessing of one another when we have these great relationships that God blessed us with. We don't deserve it. But in his goodness and his mercy and his favor, he blesses us with these great gifts. Amen. Well, this has been a wonderful story. I'm excited about the book. Again, friend, get your copy of Life. It's Not Supposed to Be Like This by Emmett McKenzie. It's available on Amazon starting tomorrow, October 27th, Thursday. Um, on, on Amazon tomorrow, you can buy the Kindle copy for 99 cents only tomorrow. But also order the, the paperback copy so that either you can give it to somebody else or you can have your own personal copy. Because the whole focus of this, the 15th chapter, consists of the gospel presentation. It, it explains the creations to Christ's story. And when people realize and understand it, then maybe they can come to an understanding and the Holy Spirit can move in their heart so they can let go of all this anger, all this blame, all this other things. But tomorrow only on Kindle, 99 cents. Also, uh, leave a review. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, yes. And also, we're, we're in the midst. There's going to be a second book on sanctification for the past 11 years. It's already written. We just got to edit it. So we have to have another interview then, right? Yes, sir. Okay, we'll have to have you guys back in the studio. Congratulations on the marriage. God's blessings upon you. Amen. Praise Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Emmett, Belen, God bless you. Thank you for what you're both allowing Christ to do in and through you for his kingdom, for his glory. Thanks for sharing your story today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>